Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. Tonight, um, the dedication that goes is the Shlamis is Shamashav and Aliyah. Tonight's sponsored shir is by Remarachai ben Daniel in honor of his father, Reb Daniel ben Marachai Olav Shalom, in the year saying Kaddish for his father. So he graciously sponsored tonight's shir. Um, yeah, this week is Parshas Re'eh. Re'eh Nechinesim Lefnechem Hayyim Brachel Klolo. Parshas Re'eh. Parshas Re'eh is a very full parsha, of course. Many, many different mitzvahs. Kashas. Oh, dialing the wrong one. Kashas, etc. Um... Shabbos also, as you all know, Shabbos is Chedish. Not just is Chedish, but is Chedish El. We will discuss also the different minhagim and mitzvahs of is Chedish El. Tonight is Yom Kippur Cotton. As we know, Yom Kippur Cotton is every year of is Chedish. But Erev Eshchedesh Elul is usually kept with a lot more, or by a lot more people. Yom Kippur cotton, as we call it, Yom Kippur, small Yom Kippur. Small Yom Kippur, they have tshuva, they have some people fast. We'll get into it, Mirat and everybody here. Also, Minhagim. As well. Hopefully, um, those of you in Atzein Akdesha will hear this year before tomorrow morning, uh, which is almost there already. Those down with the nets probably already are behind time. Okay, you're on the air over here, sorry. Okay, I don't hear you, but I, you can, I hope you hear me. Um, okay. We'll discuss later, of course, the Erev Rishchidosh Yir Minhagim. Those who are davening with the Netzachama and Netzachel probably are already practicing the Erev Rishchidosh Minhagim. Amongst the many mitzvahs that I mentioned in the parsha, it's food, eating, kashas. How wonderful. Who doesn't want to eat? Who doesn't like to eat? Comes a question, becomes a problem, according to the Teda. A very interesting expression is used, a very interesting posik is used. As it will come to pass, and you want to eat meat. You're going to want to eat meat. Listen, listen, they have to understand, they're talking to a generation here that was living off the man. Living off the man was not exactly the uh, the worst diet. It was almost organic. Um, what happens? What happens is the the tater and the person decides he wants to eat meat. He's had enough of the man. It tastes like a rib steak sometimes, and he imagines it's a rib steak. It's not a rib steak. And uh, he's not asking for cheesecake. He's asking Pasha for a piece of meat. 
Why is he asking for a piece of meat? Taylor tells us, Ki yarchi v'ashem elikechaz givulcha, the Almighty, Hashem your God, expands your borders, kashet dibaloch, like he told you he would do, as he's spoken to you. V'yamarta, eich l'basar, and you say, I will eat meat. Because your soul desires to eat meat. So Taylor says, eat, my kind, ask his There's of course dietary laws, shchita, etc. Next essence, however, rakhazak levilti achel hadam. And we're going to discuss this pasuk at length. First, let us go into the concept of eating the meat. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara in Chulin, Tezayin Omid Beis, and according to one opinion in the Gemara there, that the Jews in the desert were not permitted to eat any meat, except if it was brought a sacrifice, because they had the Mishkan local, and therefore there was no problem bringing a sacrifice, they didn't have to travel to Jerusalem, so if it was brought, they brought a sacrifice, a carbon shlom, and they wanted to eat from it because they ate. Therefore the Tater states, when God expands your borders, in other words, B'nai Yisrael will arrive in the land of Israel, it will be permissible for them to eat meat. Whatever your soul desires to eat meat. Wow. Even for an animal that was not brought as a sacrifice, when your soul will want to eat meat. Now, the permission all of a sudden granted to eat meat that's not from a carbon when they enter at Israel is reflected the shift of the spiritual focus that will accompany Israel's departure from the desert entry into the Holy Land. They're no longer the same stature, the same status of spirituality because now they left the desert. Once the Yidden come into Eretz Yisrael, and they're going to need to engage in worldly, and on a natural level, working and settling it, the divine mission would be, of course, to elevate everything that we come, upon, that comes up, that we come across. And to be elevated for a godly purpose. In the desert, God gave them everything they needed. It was miraculous, but they were given in such a way that they were, they were able to devote themselves entirely to spiritual development, and just to sit and study Teda. So in the desert they were told, if you want to eat meat, a mundane piece of flesh, just to elevate that piece of flesh, what for? Animals are being offered to Hashem as a carbon, then you can eat it. We don't need you to elevate things in the desert. Everything was in the highest level of spirituality. When could you eat a piece of meat that was not a carbon? When B'nai Yisrael came into the Holy Land. Now they can partake of the physical world. And even beyond what's obviously sacred. I mean, the carbonists were holy, they were sacred. Because now they were able to infuse even their most mundane desires of the godly pleasure, godly purpose. The Torah warns, however, be strong in not eating the blood. Blood is a metaphor for energy, enthusiasm, passion. What is the Torah admonishing us for? That only eat meat that has no blood. The means which we when we utilize what the world has to offer a godly purpose, we have to do it without blood, without excitement, lost for physical enjoyment and pleasure, but rather just because I want to elevate this spiritually. And therefore, the Torah makes reference in a very interesting form in the pasuk: "Kitavas nafshecha lechol basar." Your nefesh, your soul wants to eat the meat. It's not just your body. 
It's not just your heart or your mind. Your essence, your essence, your soul itself wants to partake of this physical concept of meat. And therefore, and therefore the tailor is warning us to do so, but to do so purely with spirituality, so that your soul itself can be elevated. But don't eat out of just because you're gluttonous. Everything that I gave you is like going for example, Khuli shall bosar cooking meat and meat and milk together. Hare Dova Something that a person has that inclination to do. And here the tailor warns us about eating it. The Mephoshim immediately ask, all the commentaries ask on Rashi. Rashi is shocking us here. Pasuk says already two times in three different places. The tailor writes, Don't cook gidi with the the milk. One is for prohibition of eating it, one is prohibition of having pleasure from it, and one is prohibition of cooking with it. You cannot eat, cook, or have any pleasure from milk and meat together. So why is Rashi now saying, Here is warning us about eating it. We already learned this from Lisevash al-Gadi. And the commentaries answer in different ways. But let's do a new way. Let's take a new approach to this. Leiseichel kol The Pasuk is coming to give us a whole new perspective. A whole new scope here. When a person, God forbid, is over Isir with Dover Michael. He goes over, he, he neglects and he causes a prohibition with food. If the food itself is not prohibited to you, it's still in all, it is prohibitive. And because he did a sin with this thing, Rashi therefore brings a different example for this. The ear of the Bechir in order to shecht in the Medina. This is something that I made a type of you. Therefore, you cannot cut off, you cannot wound the ear, etc. Because then it causes a blemish. Therefore, we learn from here don't slaughter or eat from this blemish. Even though a Balmum, even though a Bechir, a Balmum, a Bechir with a, a firstborn, with a blemish, is allowed to be eaten. But if a person goes, desecrates this, the Kol Mum, and he makes a Mum in the ear, he's not allowed to eat from it. This is Rashi bringing the second example here. Bishel Bashel Basavachalav. Cooking that he warns here on its eating. The kavan of Rashi is not the intention of Rashi is not to give us the prohibition of eating basavachalov to every person. Rashi comes to be machadish. He comes to be a new thing. The the pasuk warns us here. His irkan. And once again, a person cooks. Meat, milk and meat together. In addition to this, the bas of are also are prohibited to be eaten because it says they tzavashel, tzavashgadi. The person cooking has another prohibition, and this is his irkan. This is being warned over here. Since the person consecrated did such a sin by this cooking, this food is prohibited to him with an extra prohibition because he went over an Aveda in preparation to eating it.
Yeah. But we still base on this concept that one may not eat just out of taiva, of lost food, just wants to eat. This is a very interesting din. A nursing mother that ate anything that's prohibitive may not nurse. Even if she ate this with permission, she was permitted to eat this. It was something that's not allowed to be eaten, but unfortunately, for whatever circumstance came about here, as a nursing woman, they allowed her to eat this, because it's Pekuach Nefesh. But if it's something that's not allowed to be eaten, in general, the woman should not nurse, because it has an adverse effect on the child. Wow. Wow. How profound is that? Wow. Pre-flight. There are those that say the reason for this is it's brought down in the Medrash. There was a fellow named Elisha ben Avuya. Elisha ben Avuya didn't end up with a very good reputation. His mother, when she was pregnant, partook something from Abed Zara. And this ultimately had an adverse effect on him. And it's a din. Uvra, Sheriecha, Machalis Asuras, Machilanesa. A pregnant woman that goes by and gets a whiff of food that, that causes her tremendous yearning. She wants to eat this food. Give it to her. It's a pregnant woman. So the fact that Elisha ben Avuya's mother ate this food, she was allowed to eat it. She was allowed to eat it. But it's Daikik Godul to say that the Kruvas Avedizara, the coming to, the coming close, or the, the, the sacrifices of Avedizara. We don't say that these sacrifices of Avedizara of idol worship, when it comes to idol worship itself, we have a halacha, yarek val yaver, person has to let himself be killed, rather than serve away the zara. But the sacrifices, there's no concept of yarek val yaver. And therefore, the sacrifice caused this woman to have a craving, they give it to her. Especially the Medrash says, she ate, gave her from that min and she ate. They had to give it to her. Still in all though, it caused Elisha ben Avuya to be really messed up. Because the nature of food that is not permissible, it causes the person to get twisted in the head a little bit even though they were allowed to eat it. It was in Pekuch Nefesh. They were dying of hunger. Whatever the case might have been, once it's ingested, it's a no-no. It's not good for the system. And we can't ask, if that's the case, why is it mutter to eat these things? Oh, in the place of Pekuch Nefesh, it's like cutting off a, a, a limb to save the entire body. Same thing is also mitzvah to eat, to give to eat in order to save a person. Even though it causes through this a bad spirit. This is the reason therefore that a nursing woman that ate something that's prohibited but even though she ate it she was allowed to eat it she should not nurse right away not to cause the child to have this adverse effect. Rather, nursing purely, and thereby 
giving the child midas tevis kidabai the way it should be. You see, people have sometimes, shall we say, messed up attitudes. Many years ago, the state of Israel was setting up as governments. There was a a party called the Mapai. Mapai was very, very strong, very popular. They were left left wing Zionists. Not a bunch of pleasant people, shall we say. And there was one particular fellow. He was the head of the library of the Mapai. And he loved Judaism like we love uh, root canals. Hmm. He had a distaste and a hatred for Judaism, something incredible. However, he had one wake-up call in his lifetime, which he says if he ever came close to doing anything with Judaism, it was from this event. And it was only years, years later, when he was sitting in a betavot, in an old age home, that he divulged his story. And the story went as follows. Because he was the head of the library, he had to do a lot of traveling. He did traveling, collecting books, the traveling for uh, collecting of funds, traveling for propaganda, Mapai and the communists are all the same. Everything is propaganda. And his travels would bring him sometimes to Crown Heights, Brooklyn. There's one masculine of the Rebbe, who unfortunately passed away a few months ago, Rabbi Benjamin Klein, who was a secretary of the Rebbe, and another one of his functions in Chabad was any Israeli dignitary that came to be in Crown Heights stayed by him. He hosted them. And this fellow was no different. He came to Rabbi Yaman, he stayed by Rabbi Yaman. And luck might have it, or luck might not have it, shall we say, that this fellow's trip ended up with Yom Kippur in Crown Heights. Now, Wilson is like in Tfilin, you don't want to put on Tfilin, you don't want to go down, you know. No. Yom Kippur, you got to go to Shul, mister. And he said, okay, I'll humor you. And he took a talus, he put it on the talus, and he was given a machzah in Shul, well, not a carry in Yom Kippur. And he sat down, he says, you know what, I'm familiar with the Siddur, all the farces and the jokes that are written in the regular prayer book of the weekly prayer book. So, I'm guessing that this is not much different. But then he noticed that people are sitting in davening, in their kittel, with their talus, and their davening is a little different than the norm. He's seen people in shuls, he's seen people daven, and they shake, they shuckle, they bowl, they do whatever they have to do, jump up and down, raise their hands up, supplement, cry out. Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur was totally different. With Yom Kippur, there were tears pouring down people's faces. You could see the sincerity on the people. He said, let me check out the Mahzer. Let me see what's going on in here. And he starts to read the Mahzah. And he says, hey, hey, it's different. This is not the regular prayer book. There are different things here. Things that I haven't seen before. That I haven't read before. And he started to read different parts. And then sat down and he shows that of all the parts to read in the Aveda and Yom Kippur of Musaf, the Aveda of Musaf the parts of the Asarvig Malchus, the ten people that were killed by the Roman Emperor 
They were martyrs. Very good. And one of them was Rabbi Akiva. And as they raked the skin off, etc., and everything that went on there, but then he had a little shock over here. This guy dying, that guy dying, he understands people dying for the cause. But then there was a sentence that, that rocked his boat. The angels asked, This is the reward for Tera? What you're doing to Rabbi Akiva? And the Almighty answers, Hush! Another word out of you. I'll return the world to what it was to begin with. To water and to naught. Oh no you don't. What do you mean you can't ask? You can't ask God what He's doing? And so severely, so severe is God that if you asked, He threatens to destroy the entire world? Who, who, what's going on over here? Where is the Yesha? His neighbor was davening, and so was the other side. They were shuckling, they were davening. Devotions. He didn't have a heart to disturb. When it got a little quieter by the, I guess, the intermission, he said to his neighbor, and his neighbor said, I don't know. And he went to Rabbi Klein. He went to Rabbi Benjamin Klein. Rabbi Benjamin Klein also didn't have an answer for him. But he told him, here, there's a chassid. Go sit down with him, he'll tell you. And he came down and he told the chassid the story. He told the chassid his bewildering question, his bewildering shock, in which he is being, which he was subjected to, by the Abish's unfairness. Chassid said, I will tell you a parable, I will tell you a story. Isn't it great to have a story in a story? There was once a king who had a tremendous kingdom, palaces, houses, fields, properties. And he had a tailor, of course his own private tailor, who was a from Jew, a religious Jew. Not enough that the tailor was a religious Jew, the tailor was also a friend of the king's. They developed a very close rapport. And not only a close rapport, not only a close rapport, but they were like buddies, advisors. Everything was an advice. He came and asked him all his advice. And so, he had, of course, the favor of the king, but he didn't have much of the favor of the bishop. The bishop could not tolerate this, that this guy was so popular by the king. And so the bishop decided he has to come up with something. He's got to destroy the Jew. But in the interim, he was best friends. He made nice, played nice, talked nice to the king, to the Jew, to the Jew, to the king about the Jew. Everything was beautiful. Then, like a lightning bolt, it hit the bishop a plan. And he bought a bolt. No, not a lightning bolt. He bought a bolt of material, of the finest silk. He bought this bolt of silk and he came into the king and he said, Your Majesty, this is not just the finest silk. It is holy silk. It's holy silk from the church itself. And the church is presenting you with this silk to have a garment made for yourself. The king felt it. It was like a high end. It's beautiful. However, Your Majesty, 
It's very holy. And if any piece is not used to this, person needs to be put to death. Because he's desecrating the holy church. No, the king took the thing, was very happy, called in his tailor, and did not tell his tailor the story. I didn't want to make him nervous. I didn't want him to think twice about it. I wanted him to do this benachat. If I tell him such a thing, he's going to be nervous. He might not do it right. He might not do it straight. I rely on him. He's an honest fellow. No. A few days later, the tailor comes into the king with this magnificent, exquisite garment. It is absolutely beautiful. It was sewn so delicately that you couldn't even see the stitches. The king was mesmerized. He rewarded the tailor handsomely. And the next day, when the king was going to wear the garment, the priest came in with ten of his priests, they all were very sad, their heads were bowed, and they said, Your Majesty, do you accept the ruling of the church? And he said, Of course I accept the ruling of the church. The ruling of the church is that the tailor that made this garment had to take a few patches away by himself, to himself, and since he desecrated the Holy Church, needs to be put to death. Manasseh, what do you do now? I committed to the church. I, I, I said yes. I said I would do it. It's my, my tailor, my best friend. But the church is the church. They went, they had the tailor arrested. They were going to put him to death. Taylor tried to plead his case, but the king could not hear it. The king could not say anything because the priest already made him swear to the church. Taylor said, Your Majesty, I need one favor in that case. One favor. One request before you kill me. He says, Sure. That I can grant you. My one request is give me back the garment with a pair of scissors. The king was mortified. <laughs> this guy plans on chopping up his garment. But he warned the, king, the Jew if you desecrate this garment not only will I have you killed but I'll have you tortured too. Needless to say, the Jew did not blink an eye. He took the garment and he sat down and he painstakingly opened each and every stitch. As he opened each and every stitch, he started to to lay out the garment. And he laid out the garment to its entirety. He took out every stitch and he took back down the garment and he put down the, the bolt of material and he pieced it all together and it showed the entire bolt there was not an inch not a thread missing to which the king realized that the priest was only trying to put a ploy the priest was only trying to make a pogrom he had the priest disposed of and the Jew was put in better light What is this marshal? Says the Chassid. Hashem Yisbarach made a world. The Almighty made a world. Interestingly, I had a meeting yesterday in Manhattan with somebody who was very, very depressed, shall we say. Very unhappy. Very unhappy. To tears unhappy. His world is coming down around him financially, emotionally, socially, business, world is coming down around him. And so, so sad. He was so, so sad. 
And I told him, no, this is not the way of the world. God runs the world in His wisdom, in His goodness, in His kindness. And you may not question God, you may not doubt God. And Adarabha, by being depressed or sad because of your financial woes, you are in denial of God. You're telling God, you are not in control, I am in control, and I am not doing a good job, I'm falling apart. And Atzvah is it's like serving idol worship. The marshal is as follows. The Malachim said, Zuteira, Zuscheira. Zuteira, The Malachim questioned the acts of these Chachamim being put to death. The Almighty does not tell them, you may not ask me. The Almighty says, everything is with a master plan. Everything will fall into place. And if you don't see it, and you don't understand it, and you don't accept it, allow me to take it apart again. Allow me to return the world to its original form. And you will see there that everything is still there. Every piece and part that I made when I created the world is all in place, intact. It's indeed not been blemished. Because I have the master plan, says the Almighty. And this is therefore, says the Chassid, what the Eivishter is answering to the Malachim, answering the angels, No, my children, it is true, it is right, it is righteous what I am doing. Do not ask, because if you need to ask and I need to explain it to you, I'll need to... totally dismantle the world so that you can once again see how perfect this world is. Wow, time flies and you're having fun. I, um... Let me get into Chedesh El a little bit and then hopefully I can come back and discuss this Rashi like I wanted to. Big problems this Shabbos, folks. Big problems. You got to know where you're davening. Because you don't know where you're davening, you might end up with a little problem. This Shabbos is a Shredish. This Shabbos is also Machar Shredish. Shredish is on Shabbos and Sunday. And therefore, not only it's Shabbos Shredish, it's also Shabbos Rishchidosh is tomorrow as well. Now when there's a Sunday Rishchidosh in general, there is a Haftarah that is read, it's called Machar Chidosh. When Shabbos Rishchidosh is Shabbos, Rishchidosh on Shabbos, then we read a special Haftarah which is dedicated for Shabbos Rishchidosh. When Shabbos is Rishchidosh and the second day is Sunday, we read Shabbos Rishchidosh, and then we read one Pasuk in the beginning and the end of Elul is during the Shiva de Nechemta. Elul is during the seven weeks of condolences from Tisha B'Av An. And therefore, there is a special Haftarah that's read this week. Ani So some people will have the custom to read any Yaseira and to add from the Avteira of Rish in the beginning and the end. And some say also to add Machach Yedish. Um... According to the Ramah, Shkedish El comes on a Shabbos. The Ashkenazim say the Mafti like every Shabbos is Shkedish, Mayim Kisi. And the Sfardim say Aniyah Seira, like the Shivdin Achemta. 
which is brought down from the Mechaber, the, the name of the Chidah. The Mechaber brings down, I'm sorry, and the Chidah brings down in the Dover Emes. If people have a custom to read a Shemayim Kisi, and they made a mistake and started to read a Niyaseira, and they didn't make it the Bracha afterwards, they should also say Shemayim Kisi and make the Bracha afterwards. If you made the bracha already, and it reminds yourself afterwards, you should say Shemayim Kisi without a bracha. And so is the din, those that have the same custom reading on Ayaseira, and they make a mistake and they read Shemayim Kisi. Those who have the, the custom of saying Shemayim Kisi, they complete it, Shabbos Pasha Kisaytse, which is next to Raniyakara. So the Niyasera would be said in the Kiseitse, which is right next to Raniyakara. If Rishchel comes out on Sunday as well, as well we say Niyasera, and we push off the Avtera Machachedish. First, he holds first, and those that add also the the first and last possible. So the Haftarah business is going to be very complicated. See your Gabai, say, hey Gabai, leave Maftir for me, and see what the shul is going to have, its custom, how it's going to work out. And you're more than welcome to notify me afterwards how your shul did your Haftarah this week. No, there's no contest. And I'm not sending you an ice cream if you send me the right answer. Erev Shchidish, the custom is to give extra tzedakah. Minig Rishalayim is to go on Erev Shchidish, El, to the cave of Tzadikim. The Chassidim that go to the to Hebron. And the Mishnateach on the cave of Ovis, Maris Machpelah. Hopefully, Mirchem, my wife and children, will be doing so tomorrow morning as they are in Erev Shchidish, in Yerushalayim. Minigideim and Shemaisa, they say say the of Yom Kippur cotton at Rishchidish El, also in a place that they don't usually say it every other month, to prepare their hearts for tshuva. If Rishchidish El comes out on Shabbos or a Sunday, they say Yom Kippur cotton on Thursday before. This Yom Kippur cotton, the say the Yom Kippur cotton is involved. It's long, and even at Talmud Chacham, or Bnei Yeshiva. Should not hold themselves back and say that it's bitul teira, but they should say it. Those that have a custom to fast the entire day at a rishchedish, those that have a custom to fast only half a day, until after the saying of Yom Kippur cotton by Mincha Gedela. Places that fast all day, of course, lain by Mincha Vayichal. They say Anenu. If they do this every month, they don't have to make a special kabbalah by Mincha the day before, saying that I'm taking upon myself to fast. Um, if they don't, then they need to. Um, obviously, the chazan that leads the minion for Yom Kippur Cotton should be somebody that's actually fasting. Someone who's not fasting these out certain words. So he shouldn't be lying. Then the slichas, you have to be careful to say it before mincha, middle mincha, so you shouldn't finish mincha. Once you finish mincha, it's out of shchedish, and shchedish, you're not allowed to say slichas anymore. This year you don't have that problem because mincha tomorrow is not out of shchedish, and therefore you can say tachnan. Those that have a custom say Baruch Shem Kved out loud at the end of Kippur Cotton. Those that are marked say it quietly. Of course, you have all different opinions and everything. Um, it's a shell, it's customary to say it by the Kaisal. Some have a custom to go to Miron to Rishon Baichai.
then there's the different ischayas for you keep a cotton or different things that have to be said. Chaydish El represents tshuva. The Altarebbe explains Chaydish El represents, as we said, Melech Basada. The king is in the field. The king is not in his palace where I need to get a special appointment, wait months on end to get to him, and have to be able to see him and stand there and in front of him, fear and trepidation, and not know what his opinion, what his answer will be to me, but rather the king is in the field. In the field, the king will be. And he's not only in the field, but he's there with Melech, with Panam Tzechakais, a smile, with a happy face, and he awaits each and every person to give them the supplements and their prayers. So from Rishchidish El onwards, as we know, those the, the days from Rishchidish El until Yom Kippur are the forty days that Moshe was in heaven asking for forgiveness for the Jewish nation. So therefore, each and every person should work on themselves to have tshuva to the tshuva forgiven on the sins that they did. And to be able to come on to the day of Ayyem and Asaylam. It's customary every day from Rishchei Deshel onwards to say the Dabar Hashem Eiri. The Dabar Hashem Eiri, according to the different customs. But this is a very great skula. For to be zeicher to din, that everything should go well for the coming year. If you see to it, you say the davar Hashem twice a day, although to say it even three times. We say it basically by shachas and mincha. There are those that have a custom to say it after leno. Those that have a custom to say it after shisha yom. Rishchidish obviously said shisha yom. We say bechinavshi. We say the davar Hashem as it is found in the siddur. From the second day of Rishchei Deshele, we begin to blow Shefa. Every day after Shachas, they blow the Shefa. Each to his own custom. Mini Chabad is Tashat, Tashat, and Tarat. The David is said, therefore, after the Shisha Yim, according to Mini Chabad, according to others, it said after Aleinu. Um, by Mincha, it's before Aleinu, in Minichabad, and the rest of the world says it after. Those that have a custom to say it by Mincha, those that have a custom to say it, what we just said, those that have a custom to say it by Maidiv, as it's so, they say it by my, after Maidiv, then they have to say it before the second Baruchu. They say after, before Elena they say Baruch again. Or after Elena they say Baruch after Kaddish. Say Gerav, after Baruch, before Elena. Say it's Kabul and they say Baruch again. Like we do on Friday nights. It said Tushmini Atzeres, actually Tushmini Those that say Tushmini Atzeres, some say it until Simchasteda. If one forgot to say it by Mincha, they say it by Meirev. It's very important that it's said at least twice a day. After the Dabar Shabbat, Kaddish Yosem is said. And therefore, those who say Dabar Shabbat after Shisha Yayim, we don't say Kaddish after Shisha Yayim, but we wait till after the Dabar Shabbat. Shredish, you have to go first Shisha Yayim. Which is Tadir, then we say, like we said before, Barachinavshin and David. It's written, it's brought down that those have accustomed to read on the second day of Shredish, Elul, Simon Aleph of the Nevoz Chagai. Also, 
to the Ashkenazi don't say slichus from Mishchedish, but they get up earlier and they add from Mishchedish El learning and Taylor and Tefillah. I'm carrying the pasuk from Kumi Reini Belayla that Eishem Shmeides Shmeides Shivchi Kamayim Libeich Neichet Bnei Hashem. Put that from Matthew Ephraim. The Achenu Masvardim say slichus from Mishchedish El. Until you keep it. As I said before, from the second day on, we blow Schaefer. After Shachris, of course. There are opinions, the Mashal brings down our opinion, of blowing on the first day, and those that just say they practice on the first day. If there's no special custom in the town, then the blowing of the shafer is the second day. There are those even, according to the Ramah, and this is the meaning in Prague, this is how they would do it, to blow shafer after Mincha as well. Either after Mincha or Mairev. Those who blow after Mairev, should he also blow on Matzah Shabbos? So we said that most people blow Tashrat, Tkiyah, Shvarim, Tru, and Tkiyah. But, Mini Chabad is Tkiyah, Shvarim, Tru, and Tkiyah, Tkiyah, Shvarim, Tru, and Tkiyah, and Tkiyah, Tru, and Tkiyah. Service is not only the Minik Chabad. Apparently, most Svarim do that as well. And they also do it in Sans, in Kalin, in Chernobyl, Kamarna, Nadvarna, Munkash, Satma, and Spinka. Yeah. See your local listings. <laughs> During Tia Shefer, this has to awaken a person's heart for Tshuva. And of course, people should stand when they blow. Pasik says, Is it possible that people, the shefer should be blown, and people should not shake, should not tremble, and that's why we stand. The person stands in fear and respect. Middle of Shemines, the person shouldn't stop to listen to Shefer. Middle of Birz Krishna, between Pedic and Pedic, and remember the minion is already holding at the end of Davening, and you want to hear the Tkia, and there's nobody else that will blow afterwards for you, you can stop to listen. If there's only a cotton to blow, nobody else knows how to blow it. Chatkhila, you can also blow Mishnah because of Kavaratila. Though somebody, an older person should blow because Kavarat Even if a person davens be a chidus, chas v'shalom, chas v'chalida, on chidus el, I mean, how could the person even think of that? If God forbid a person is stuck in Kansas or something and he has to daven without a minion, he should also blow shefer after davening. And if the minion forgot to blow in the morning, he could blow after mincha. It's written that by night, a person should not blow the whole Chedesh even to teach, even to learn. Because there's no Sejus by night. What? No Sejus by night. What? Mm-hmm. A youth, they want to learn to educate how to blow Shefer, they want to get used to blowing, they should do it in the, in the ladies' section, not in the men's section. Because there the Shechina is resting. The laws that pertain to regular Kishefer don't pertain to that during the month of El. Try to do it right, but that doesn't mean that your Yitzah are not Yitzah. Women don't necessarily have to hear. Don't tell that to my wife. Because it's a meaning, she's Mangrava. If there's a Brisson Shul in Chedeshel, 
We do the bris first and then we blow. Well, I haven't, don't remember experiencing. Similarly, that we don't have a custom to do so, we blow immediately after damage. We blow till out of Rosh Hashanah, we do not blow out of Rosh Hashanah to confuse the Sultan and to drive him nuts. He doesn't know what hit him all of a sudden. We begin to say on the first day of Rishchidosh El, Tehillim. No, we say Tehillim every day. Ah. So we start to say Tehillim every day three kapitlach. Three, excuse me, three chapters. The first day, Aleph El, we say Aleph, Beis, and Gimel. Beis El, we say Dalet, Hey, and Vav, etc. And then it... There's a list, there's a, um, a calendar of how it's set up for the last days, for Rosh Hashanah time, Yom Kippur time, how many to say, which point of Rosh Hashanah, at which point of Yom Kippur, and we ultimately finish off the entire Tehillim by Nila. Kedesh El, a person can say Tehillim a whole night long, even before Chatzis. It's brought down from Pinchas Chalatzer. Kedesh El, even Tamid Chacham and people that sit and learn all day, should join a minion of saying Tehillim somewhere in the course of the day. as far as eulogies are concerned. Customary in the month of El to do marriages the entire month, even after Tezvah B'chedesh, even in the days of Slichas, because the whole month is a month of Atzlacha, Mutzlach, and a Seder of Svirats and Tevah Yisrael. Zion El, Bidome Chasanas. Because it's Rachel's your outside. It's my birthday. Yeah. Was she passed away in the time of Rachel? No. Rachel means Yerad of My cousin Rachel. It's brought down from Sefer Chassid Mechadosh. The Kabbalah from Rabbeinu Al-Chassid. It's Zion El, Zion Shvat, and Zion Tammuz. We don't make weddings. Someone did it. The husband and the wife don't live too long. Huh? It's a whole world of Chayel is, of course, a special day, which we're going to discuss much when Chayel comes around. The person writes a letter in Chaydesh El, the person should write already, um, if you send an email, you also should, also should, since nobody writes letters today anymore. Anche um, Maisa, customarily check their mezuzahs and their tefillin in the month of El. It's an imperative, but it's a proper during Shemaneser, three times a day, in Hashiveinu, Avinu, Zerizacha, in Shemaneser, to be mispal for somebody that unfortunately went off the path of learning. Because these are days for bringing back people to Tshuva. Edin Taylor may be sat on on Chedesh El. person can accept upon themselves a tainas dibur not to speak anything frivolous, only words of tayr and davening from Mishkei Yishelon to left team Kippur be beautiful be so quiet ok, and we better call this one quits
So we should be zeicher. This chedesh el. This Shabbos is a chedesh. We should add an extra kugel, and we should have extra simcha, and we should ultimately be merit to neichom and azachim and absachim as this parsha brings down of the yamtevim, etc. And we should be a yerushalayim and a kedesh. Shabbat shalom to all.